from Ennui. This is Ennui Talk. You can support the show and other Ennui projects by subscribing to Ennui Plus on Patreon. But for now, sit down and enjoy. Welcome back to the Ennui Talk podcast. And look, this is like the third time we've tried to record this fucking thing. Um... Matt Tabor, you're all, you're back. You're you're back on the pod. I'm on the pod. Um, how how are things? Uh, how's how's life? How's, things are good. The, the state things. of the Tabor is strong. I'm quite pleased with how everything's going. How is um life with coronavirus? I was just going to ask because I don't think I've actually asked that. Or have you mentioned that at, no. specifically at all on the podcast? You probably uh, not, have. Not or really. Not. I mean, um, it's I don't know. It, it's not. Not tremendously different uh, because I don't really go and do anything. I mean, uh, there's no there's no real travel like there was last year. I mean, last year I, I was in like eleven countries last year, and uh, I probably right. I was probably away from home four or five months. Uh, this time, that you know, there's none of that. The nice thing is it means I'm not spending any money on travel either, so that's cool. But yeah, I mean. I don't really go down, go out and, and do a whole lot. Uh, the Pizza Hut nearby me looks like it's closed permanently, though. This is a major blow to me. Yeah, really? the Pizza Hut lunch buffet was all you can eat for I think six ninety nine, and I really enjoyed that. Holy shit! Yeah. So if that's Jeez. if that's out of my life now, that's sad. Yeah, I'm I'm really bummed. Uh, hopefully it opens in the spring, but other than that, I mean, I don't know. Most people are. Uh, on some continuum of, of, uh, stoic to miserable. Um, other than that, I don't know. I just keep grinding on stuff, uh, in, in the YouTube world and podcasting and doing all the things that I've been putting off for a long time with work. So that's really cool. Is it, what's something that you've addressed like recently since coronavirus come about and you've had the time that you hadn't before then? Ooh, I'll tell you one. It's a non-work thing. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So on Saturday, got up at six in the morning, and I spent most mm. of the day hauling scrap metal, mostly from the '60s and '70s. Uh, probably hauled, probably hauled five tons of it. Threw that away. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. I I, I was excited. Why didn't about Why that. didn't you? Have you just? Is it was. Was there that much that it was just like, I'll do it tomorrow, and that's that's a tomorrow problem for me sort of thing, and it was just something you never addressed? It's a question of having somewhere to take it. Um, that's really tough, and the transport as well. Mm. You know, you need a truck and uh, a trailer on that truck to fill, and then a place that, that you can kind of kind of dump it all, especially when it's very old like that. You get parts that are really suspect that might have... Uh, um, might have old chemicals and things like that in them that you know like a regular dump might not take uh, so yeah it takes the right set of circumstances and the right time uh it's pretty cool pretty good it feels good to not uh not walk around and and be in fear of of tetanus infections oh i can imagine see like see my life hasn't didn't change no, not at, at all. all really see i was no well Oh, you know, I have to wear a mask at work and wear gloves at work. But other than that, it's nothing. See, for people who don't know, I'm a manager at McDonald's now. Um, it's great. I love it. It's the best job in the entire world. 
um, 100%. And there's nothing wrong with it at all. Um, but so when I, so I, was, I wasn't a manager at the time when things started and um, I was full-time. I still am. And it was just nothing, nothing happened to me. With the store that I was at was a, it was sort of right in the, it was on, it was on a main highway. And that's what it was. We get a lot of, there was a lot of traveling customers. It's a tiny little store, but a lot of traveling customers. I've just moved back home and the store that I was at and that I'm now back at, um, oh, it got hit hard. Um, so yeah, so it was three major things happened. One, coronavirus. That same weekend was the debut of the bypass. So there's a bypass that goes around my little town, Scone. Um, so uh, most of the traffic just bypasses the town now. Like there's three turnoffs that you can come into town. Um, there's some, there's the M, the big M got raised higher, spent a lot of money doing that. There's signs on both sides, blah, blah, blah. But they got hit really hard, especially right as, um, you know, coronavirus sort of just like really hit us hard. And, um, and at that same time, so my McDonald's is right next to a petrol station. And that petrol station was out of, was out of order for two weeks. Um, they were doing something with the tank underneath right. or some sort of shit. I don't know all the specifics, but it was, the, the store got absolutely fucked. Absolutely. Like there was, there was a lot of, they really weren't sure what was going to happen. It was, um, it was like two or three weeks where it was like, they would have one person <laughs> in the kitchen most of the day and that was it. And that's sad. The chat is saying here. Uh, by the way, you got to you got to tell everybody that we we've got a, a robust, vibrant live audience. Oh yes, we do. We have a um, we're we're currently um, live in the Crate Unknown, um, the Crate Unknown Discord right now. And Mac and Monopoly talk. Fuck the Mac's <laughs> Monopoly. Fuck me. Who, do do I don't understand. I I'm sure there are people who are like, you know what? My favorite time of year is, you know, around that September, October time where I can get free shit from Maccas after buying stuff, like, you know, sp- already spending money on shit anyway. And you're not going to get, you never get it the first time. You're very lucky if you get, like, a free, what, apple pie the first time or a yeah, Sunday. That's fine. And do people actually collect all the little, the, collect all the little things to actually, like, you know, win the big prizes? I'm sure, like, maybe 5% of the population do. Um, I, doubt, I doubt anybody else does. I don't think... Like I've got more important things to think of than collecting little stickers. Maybe it's maybe it's a kid thing. Maybe it's a I don't know. I don't know. Does anybody in the anybody who is listening right now? Do you actually collect who's? Well, I don't know. Is it an American thing as well? Do they do anything monopoly wise as okay. well or not? So you should assume if you think about something that sounds a little odd, you know, and you're like, oh, mm. do people do this? What do what do they do in these? You have to assume straight away that we do it bigger, better, and with more insanity. All right. And this is an example of that. There's a documentary series on HBO called McMillions. And McMillions is about a guy who put together a con to uh, manufacture the, uh, the prizes in this Monopoly game. And I mean, it was, he built them out of so much money. Uh, I got to look it up. Oh, $24 million. Uh, he he wow, conned McDonald's hard. out of using the Monopoly game. So when there's something that comes up, you're like, oh, I bet there are people there who take it seriously. But always assume that there's somebody who's doing something truly insane. Dojengle says in the chat, the mafia was involved. Yeah, it was a really big, crazy operation with that Monopoly game with McDonald's. <laughs> 
It's, yeah, it's, it's insane. It's I wild. I would never have thought it. But yeah, I, I would have never have thought it. I'm sure you can. That's crazy. You can get that. Holy uh, fucking shit. You can pirate that or something like that. Not that I would advocate that, but uh, yeah, it's on HBO. It's called McMillions, and I think it's you know like four or five or six episodes uh, because it's just such a detailed, nutty operation uh, that that it warrants like five hours of, of coverage. Kudos says the marketing Jesus company behind Christ. it kept that all the good prizes for themselves. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Well, why wouldn't you, really? Like, if you're going to, you know, keep it yourself. If you're going to go to that level of, you know, rorting the system. Well, take all the prizes you can, of course. What I'm hearing, though, is that now we have somebody on the inside, um, meaning you, and I don't think they would suspect an Australian con coming from North America. I think that we're flying under the radar oh, good, here bro. and and we could do some serious scamming. It is the perfect plan. And now only the three listeners of this podcast and people listening live are going to know. So really, <laughs> it's a foolproof plan. <laughs> I'm looking down. We have about 12 Absolutely. people in here now. That just means we have 12 people to silence or buy off. That's perfect. That's like... 12 more than who actually listen to this podcast in general. So that's pretty, that's pretty, pretty good. Speaking of, I still want to talk about piracy. If there is a show or a movie that you want to watch and you can't find it on a streaming service or can't find it on DVD even, how do you watch it? Of course, like it is a legal means, but is there a, like, is, is torrenting bad or like, I, I, I've always had people like use, oh, something like one, two, three movies or some sort of shit. And they're more likely going to get all these shitty ads and viruses and shit like that. I don't know. Is there a is there a right way to watch something? Illegal? I don't know. I just I I haven't done it in a very long time. The only time I did it, well, I know the last time I did it, it was 2013. Um, internationally, it was extremely difficult to watch sports back in those days. Uh, you know, when when you're in some country like Bulgaria or something and you want to watch college basketball. So I would have to go to janky websites. Well, that's what it was. I mean, like I specifically wanted to watch uh, the Syracuse Orangemen's season. And there were two elements to this. Uh, Syracuse. uh, So I'm sorry. They're the orange now. They dropped the man for all the reasons you'd expect. It is the Syracuse Orange. Uh, But I like their basketball program. And so uh, with the time change. You know, that was one challenge, um, and it made it so you couldn't even go to a sports bar and ask them to put something on TV if it was possible. Uh, so it was going to janky live streaming websites, you know, that that did have names that were like a number one best basketball hoops dot fart, you know, and, and you hope that the thing streams. Um, Facebook Can Live. Can you get a good. dot fart? Is that an actual URL? I don't know. There's a, a, get a dot fart. There was a Saturday Night Live skit a long time ago uh, that was about a a bank. It was a commercial for a bank, and it's you know a boring kind of stodgy commercial, and it, it says like, "Please check us out on our website." You know, clownpenis.fart. You know, by the time we got online, all the good names were taken. That's a that's a good joke. I like that. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I just haven't quality, done that in so many years. Joke. You know, movies, I I wait until it comes through 
a Netflix or a Hulu. Uh, I'm pretty patient with stuff. I like a lot of very old stuff anyway. So I just don't, I don't, I don't miss anything. If I don't have access to it, I tend not to even think about it. Well, well, here's a question. Do you use a VPN at all? I don't. I don't. Um, hmm. Yeah, I've... I know you're old, but do you know how a VPN works? I do, but but I don't... I don't have a super compelling hmm, reason is it, to is... do it. Hmm. I know I probably should. See, I, I use a VPN. Well, well, it, I, if you don't need to use it, don't use it. I guess I, the question that I'm thinking of right now is like, what is less illegal? Streaming something illegally, like, or torrenting something illegally, or using a VPN? Well, it seems like a VPN is just, um, like, you know, YouTubers are promoting it. They're getting, um, you know, people are making money off promoting sure. VPNs. We, we've done it with Vsauce too. Is it just... Yeah, and it's a totally valid, legitimate thing for a lot of different reasons. Um they just, those, those reasons don't hit me a whole lot. I mean, my biggest fear is that I get banned from my own Discord and I have to make a new account on a VPN. Mm, interesting. I know what you mean. I get, I get what you say. Yeah. I don't know. I actually, I want to, how did, how can you get away with, how are VPNs let legal? Like, I don't know if I'm just dumb or I'm just like ignorant, but like, isn't using a VPN to stream something that's not available in your country technically like what are the what are the legalities of that? That's what I'm I'm not really you know educated on. I don't know. I feel like uh, at a really crude level, um, something like a torrent is like directly robbing the bank. A VPN is like driving the getaway car. You know, it seems if if your intent is is to use it for nefarious purposes. Um, you know, if you just want to route your, your data and whatever, there's nothing at all wrong with that. All it is is a, kind of a shell network, you know? Yeah, I should turn my, my, my I guess uh, it's like Alexa a, hmm. off here. Oh, oh no. I've just activated it by saying that I want it off. But yeah, I don't need Amazon listening to us plotting crimes. Oh, plotting crimes. Like, what were we doing before? Oh yeah, the McDonald's thing. That's right. <laughs> right. We're definitely not... Not writing any, <laughs> definitely not, not doing anything wrong. Definitely. This is just a simple little, this is a, um, this is an, let's just, I don't know. We're just telling jokes. That's what it is. It was definitely a joke. We're very, very funny people. Speaking of funny, which I very much am, I've been doing, um, a masterclass. I've, I have, you, you know, the ads are on fucking nearly every video I watch yeah. now. Masterclass with, um, I've been doing the one right now with Steve Martin, um, on comedy and he is a very, very. Obviously, he's a very, very funny man. He's a very, very smart man. He explains, because um, it is, you know, it's comedy, but it's it's more focused on, you know, the stand-up and developing a character and all that sort of thing. Um, it's I've, I've found him very, very um, interesting. It's something that I can apply to even, like, podcasting. Um, it's something I can apply to even, like, my written works and that sort of thing, um, how I come off in videos and that sort of thing. Like, it's not just things I can apply to directly stand up stand up something that i've always wanted to do but it's you know you can apply a lot of the principles so i've seen that he discusses yeah um, i've seen the ads for the steve martin thing uh back that was a really popular one on facebook for my account maybe i was targeted for some reason uh but i saw that the little trailer like a thousand times and it looked 
excellent. It looked really solid. And Steve Martin is extremely clear, extremely thoughtful. I thought, hey, I bet that's a really, really good one. So what have you, like, what, what are some of the takeaways that you've gotten from that? I'm trying to think. I don't want to have to get at my notes because it's, well, first my laptop is dead. Um, I think the one thing is, I don't know. There's so many little different things. I think de- developing a persona and not just telling jokes, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, okay. about, it's about the whole act, whether that's as a stand-up or, um, you know, being on a podcast, blah, blah, blah. It's not just being funny and talking to it. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing. Um, okay, let's, let's talk in the podcast world. Anybody can get a mic and start a podcast like, you know, um, what do you call four white guys sitting in a room at a podcast? <laughs> right. like that's a ah, funny joke. Yeah. But that's what, um, you know, anybody can just sit around and be funny. But I think it's, it take, it's, a, it's the whole act. It's, um, it's more than just sitting around so, and telling It's a persona, jokes. isn't it? It's, it? It is a persona. And that's to, it. To take all the, the soul and meaning out of it. It's essentially the same thing uh, where people talk about products versus brands. It's the same idea conceptually where there's a difference between being funny and having uh, a persona that entertains people versus having a really good product and having uh, a brand that matters to people. It's, I think that's pretty, pretty similar, even though they're very different fields. So I think it's, um, okay for you, for you and, um, for you and Kevin, you know, you're doing the create unknown podcast. You're specifically talking about, um, YouTube and online content and you're talking to creators. That's more of just a, I don't know, a, um, internet discussion slash interview show that's built, let's like built around, you know, being funny and telling jokes and having insightful conversations. Um, you know, a lot of podcasts are, are like that, like they have a theme, mm-hmm. like, but with my podcast, it's just me and my mates or me and a guest just talking and having insightful conversation. That's really hard. I don't like the idea of my podcast being an interview podcast. Okay. I think that one, I'm not, a, I'm not a very good interviewer like at all. I can, um, you know, I can ask the questions that maybe the audience wants to hear, but I think anybody can do that. I don't you know think what I mean? So. Like, I don't think it's I, that. I'm going to split with you on this big You don't time. think so? Uh, so no, number one, uh, I think you're pretty capable interviewer. I mean, the first time we talked, you had specific questions that went in a progression and I thought it was pretty good. But what you're saying now about how anybody can do that audience proxy bit, I think that's completely false because Joe Rogan is fantastic at being the audience proxy while still maintaining the presence of a host. He, he really isn't a host and he doesn't press people in any kind of way. He's that mix of hanging out and throwing at the guest the sorts of things that the audience might be thinking or um, would be interesting to them if they hadn't thought of them yet. And I think that's incredibly hard to do. I know that I know that we with the create unknown, like we try for that um, being that audience proxy uh, consciously and it's tough and sometimes we hit it and sometimes we just completely miss. Uh, I think it's brutally difficult and anybody can try it, but to be very good at it. Uh, no, it's like anybody can play ping pong. Like anybody can play, you know, table tennis in theory, anybody can go bowling. Uh, but 
being very good at it, that's a, a, a different skill set. See, I remember one thing that I remember Joe Rogan, and I might be misquoting, but I, either he said it on a podcast or it's been said in an article that he's been interviewed for. But it was that at one point he sort of, his fans wanted like, you know, more, like less fucking around and more just like a straight up interview. But it didn't hit as well. Mm. They weren't as good of episodes. Um, they weren't as engaging. Like his audience, and it was, there was proof during, through analytics that his audience wasn't as engaged and i think it's now it's more he brings on people that he wants to talk to and he asks the questions that he wants to ask and in a lot of cases especially when they're first-time guests they're questions that both you and the audience want to know anyway you know what i mean yeah yeah it's you know it's really a delicate kind mm -hmm. of science because think about it in the context of something like the create unknown okay uh you have a guest like iDubs. Um, out of the hundred percent of people listening to this, what percentage really know iDubs well to the point where they know about all of uh, the recent projects of his, any commentary stuff, what he's been the target of, whatever. Do you have a guess? Like, I don't, I don't know. What do you think that percentage is of those highly informed people? Of all his projects, probably maybe like 10 15 percent like i yeah. doubt that people like they might you know subscribe to idub's main channel but they have no idea about his second channel or yeah. even his even his third old gaming channel and shit like that do you know what i mean like not everybody is like i'm somebody who's like okay if i find them i'm going to like more than likely follow their second channel and follow mm -hmm. them on twitter and etc cetera, etc cetera. yep um that's just me. I think that's just my personality. But but you're probably right. It probably is a very, very low percentage. I think 10%, 15% is fair. I bet it is somewhere between 10 and 20%. So if you ask about any of those things, a fifth of people uh, are bored to tears because they know all of it already. Uh, a tiny portion of them are happy to hear about the thing that they already know about in the same way that you're happy to hear a song that you've heard 500 times if you like that song. Uh, so anyway, you've got a portion who's highly informed and will not be surprised by any of the content at all. Maybe, I don't know, out of the 80% left, let's say most of those know who he is and roughly what he's about and have seen a few videos. Um, they may or may not be interested in some of those details. If they were, they'd be super fans already, and they're not. Uh, then you've got the... 10 or 20% of people who are like, yeah, I recognize the name, but I don't know anything here. So when you're the audience proxy, you're serving to how many different audiences? Some who have lots of knowledge about the person, some who have none, then the ones in between. So how do you navigate a conversation so that all of those people have something to be entertained by? That's brutally difficult. It's extremely tough. And I, I point uh, to Rogan, not because I'm a huge fan. I mean, I think he's, he's done exceptionally well. I don't, you know, listen every day or anything, but he's clearly very good at entertaining that huge cross section of people who are coming at, uh, a topic or a guest with very different levels of knowledge. So yeah, I look at the audience proxy thing and think that's one of the toughest things, toughest things that, that you can do. I think Joe, one thing Joe, well, and he, it's, just, it's because he has that fear factor money and he doesn't really have to <laughs> worry about it. He has the time to do multiple episodes a week and he can, you know, 
you know, what? That's like nine hours worth of content. That's a lot of content. Still, like, still six, that is a lot of content. Even, you know, still six hours if you're lifting at one and a half speed, like I do. And I think it's, oh, I don't know. I think it's, you know, I don't listen to every episode. But, you know, I might just like, you know, see who it is, see if I'm interested in that sort of topic. I listen to a lot of the comedians. That's just like, you know, my sort of thing. Um, I don't know. I think it's, he's somebody, he's he's hitting different audiences with who he talks to. I don't, I wonder how much of his audience would actually listen to every, every episode. Um, I don't know. I think it'd be a small minority. Yeah, I mean, it, I I think it has to be people who can listen to that episode. You know, we we have some people uh, with the Create Unknown who just have who just have schedules that allow you to pop in headphones. Uh, Monahim, if you've talked to him in the Discord, uh, he's I don't think he's here right now. No, he isn't. But he just has a, a job that's at night, and it allows him to listen to a lot of podcasts. Well, that guy's going to have time to to consume, you know, episode after episode of somebody he really likes. Um, I get behind on podcasts that I really like because my schedule isn't predictable like that. Uh, you know, I tend to listen late at night and fall asleep as I do it. So um, I'll go through a one hour episode. Sometimes it'll take me a week because I'm getting like 10 minutes at a time. Um, I just in- installed uh, a couple hours ago, another Amazon device, a little tiny one that, that goes in the, uh, the outlet. I think it's called a flex. It's really little, uh, but I plug that in the outlet in the kitchen because I thought, Hey, uh, the 20, 30 minutes a day that I'm in the kitchen making food and stuff like that, I can pop on podcasts and audio books and listen and keep up with some of these things. So I have to go out of my way. Uh, I don't have a commute cause I, I work at home. Um, but if I did, you know, I'd listen in the car. When I traveled a lot, I, it's usually about a 90-minute drive to the airport. I've got to be there 90 minutes early, so there's three hours. Then the flight, however long that is, um, if I'm going to the West Coast, it's about 12 hours door-to-door. So I would catch up on podcasts there. Well, I don't have that now. You know, that, that block where <laughs> I'm getting like 20 episodes of something good is gone so it's really tough uh depending on your schedule but rogan um i don't know he seems to be the choice for a lot of people they know that they can always pop it on just like old talk shows like like phil donahue in the 80s uh oprah i mean how many people tuned into oprah every day you know it's that same kind of same kind of feeling she's not still on the air is she I think she she might be someone in the chat's going to tell yeah. us, but I think I think she is. I think she's still maybe not as. Um, oh, Oprah quit. Tom says Oprah quit. Um, what I was going to mention about Joe Rogan was I don't think was, was it a three hundred million dollar oh, um, deal with Spotify. I think it was. I feel like it was three hundred. It was a lot. It was. I'm just going to. I'm, I'm looking at the chat. Yeah. Because what I was going to say was, I don't think it was um, it would have been as big if you didn't have a wide array of different guests. Like if it was just interviewing actors and comedians, like fuck that that um, the audience would be much much smaller, much 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 smaller. Yeah. Um, but I but don't that's know. a power and play actually, for I wanted, to, I wanted to, you know, they're investing. They're they're <clears throat> landing the biggest fish 
in the podcasting world. So they can massively overpay him and uh, make a buck on lesser people, which is everybody uh, to to come on there. And they're doing quite quite a lot of big things. I think Spotify is going to dynamic insertion ads, which will be a really nice thing for a lot of people. Um, they're growing on on that podcasting front. Uh, but yeah, the numbers on it are insane. He's had a cool career. Uh, you know, people in the in the chat here were talking about um, Fear Factor, you know, Fear Factor money and whatever. You know, he did stand-up comedy well before that. Uh, and I, I figure... Oh, he did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was... He was a comedian. That was his... That That's who Joe Rogan was. And he had... I remember him on TV. It, it might have been Just Shoot Me or News Radio. Uh, maybe News Radio. It was News Radio, it was, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he was he was a comedian and had some funny roles. Like that was his life before UFC and Fear Factor and and podcasting. So I think it goes back to uh, the connection I want to make is that his appeal on podcasting, I think, probably goes back to him him doing the stand up comedy because that's something I've you know I've never been involved in performance of any kind like that. Uh, Kevin has, by the way, Kevin did improv stuff in college. Uh, he did a lot of comedic performance stuff and it, it shows in his ability to entertain now in a different format, whether it's Vsauce 2 or on the podcast, but Rogan was grinding away at how many clubs and how many places night after night. You talk about audience proxy. He was getting a completely different audience over and over and having to adjust in real time to satisfy that audience. Because what's going to play well in in West Hollywood is not the same thing that's going to play well in Topeka, Kansas. Um, no, and that's exactly right. Yeah. He, he specifically said that to write um, to write a special, it was, an hour, it was a year of writing, and then it was a year of... Um, you know, perfecting that act, right. and in turn, and you know, they a lot of the writing, you know, as you, you know, you write your bits, but a lot of it's on the stage. It's testing out those bits, see what works, adding to the jokes. Um, in the episode he did recently with um, Joe Decina, he he asked him, oh well, like how long, like how many pages is a bit? It could be five pages, it could be <laughs> one. It's interesting how stand-up comedy is a very very interesting art. Like it's not just go up on a stage and tell funny jokes. Delving into it, it's so 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 much more to that uh yeah there's a lot to it there's a ton and it goes back to that thing you said about funny jokes versus the presence and one thing i love to do which i i can only really do it when i'm in a city is go to open mics i love comedy open mics uh, especially when they're on maybe a tuesday or a wednesday and the only people there are the ones who the open mic performers drag to it. Uh, it's, it's like a, 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 the thrill of victory and agony of defeat cycling over and over between the good acts and the bad acts. But that's where you see the people who have that presence, the people who can work with the audience versus the ones who worked really hard on what they think is funny material and left it at that. It's interesting. I think it's because it's because it is more than that. It's 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 very much it's a lot of you know editing and honing honing a joke and 
like, cause, and it's all about, you know, the, um, emphasizing one thing, not emphasizing another, taking out one line, taking out one word, adding one word, um, <laughs> yeah. explaining something just slightly more. It's, um, I don't know. It's very, it's very, very interesting. I've, and I also find like acts like Bo Burnham, for example, um, who was a musician slash comedian where it's like, you know, he's going to write these, these entertaining songs. I, I, maybe, maybe it's easier for him. Like, well, you know, okay, he's, he is a musician. He can play music. He can write music. He just has to write these funny, funny songs, these funny, insightful songs, and then just add stand up in the middle. Like, obviously that's his forte, but that sounds easier than completely honing, you know, a complete, complete act. Maybe that's just, just me. Maybe there's a, you know, another side to it. Yeah. It's complex stuff. Uh, it really is. And I think back to, to the people who expressed interest in comedy 20 years ago. And this is the weird part. I'm, I'm just hitting an age now where half of my life ago was like the beginning of college. Uh, so, uh, I, I can compare second half of current life to first half of life. And I think back like the people I knew at the midpoint who were interested in entertainment stuff and comedy. One guy became a pretty good performer and I had no idea that he was interested in comedy. Have you seen community? Yes, I have. Do you know Garrett? He's. Have you yes. seen a guy with glasses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's pretty, pretty quirky and weird. I do. Yeah. I'm, 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 I, yeah. It, it, it springs to mind. I haven't watched a lot of community, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Here, yeah. He's awesome. <laughs> he's such a good character. So his name is Eric and I was on uh, the quiz bowl team at Boston university with Eric. He was a year older than me and That's yeah. Crazy. And he was the best Eric. I mean, Eric is one of the most knowledgeable people I have ever met in my life. And he was the best in a division that like we played uh, Harvard, Boston college, MIT, Yale, because all those Northeastern schools were on the circuit. And he was, he was the best player out of all of those teams. It was great that he was on ours, uh, but that's how good he was. And I had no idea that he was doing any comedy stuff till a couple years later, somebody who was on the team with us, you know, shot me a message on Facebook and, you know, we were catching up. It's like, Hey, I, I think Eric's going into some stand up stuff. I'm like, wow, I never, ever would have expected that. I didn't think anything of it. And then years later, I'm watching community and Eric, who's a very physically recognizable person pops on the screen. Like, Holy shit. Eric has a legitimate comedy career. Like he's on my TV right now. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, he he honed so that craft well enough. Oh, it's it's incredible. It's one of the coolest things that I've seen. See, down here in Australia, I don't think there's like I would love to do that. I would love to sort of like you know grind away at you know doing stuff online and you know getting into the oh, I don't know the comedy television scene if that's yeah. what you want to fucking call it. Yeah. There's nothing really here. There's a handful of decent shows. The ABC mm -hmm. specifically putting out some decent stuff, but the internet seems like the way to go and it really doesn't seem like it's, you know, you're advertising to a, and like, you know, so it doesn't seem like your audience is really specifically Australian for, um, for me, especially like my audience is all over the place. Um, my, my very, very 
very very tiny audience like there's no there's no real and that's one thing i discussed with um with kudos the other day on the podcast many kudos Mm -hmm. it was that there's not really much of an and there is an industry here but it's like for online creators but there's there's not at the same time like it's it's very very um beauty guru and like lifestyle and all that sort of stuff. Like, that's what Instagram's covered in. Um, there's a handful of, like, you know, like, yeah, there's your Max Mofos. There's your Anything for Views. Sure. Um, there's a few others. A lot of the funny a lot of the funny YouTube Australian guys end up going into doing stand-up, but they're not really that good at stand-ups, a lot of them. Lewis Spears is an exception. He's a, he's a funny guy. Fantastic. Yeah, I follow him on Twitter. He's a very funny guy. Yeah. He's, he's great. But a lot of the other ones, like... Like there's, um, I'm trying to think of some names. Frenchie, Frenchie's mm-hmm. he's one, and a lot of his the, the roundabout, the roundabout boys, I think they're called. But like they're, you know, they're funny guys who've made some funny little sketches, and it seems like a lot of them just go into doing stand-up comedy because that's what it seems like. All there is, mm-hmm. like you could go into radio, but a lot of the radio is a lot of the big radio hosts are, um reality stars who were on like married at first sight or love island like three years ago and that's it's much much harder to break into and like mainstream radio you wouldn't really for me i don't think it would suit me specifically like i don't know i think it's um i don't know it's it's a bit edgier it's a bit it's not sorry it's not it's not very edgy i should say i'm a bit edgier and that sort of thing it's i don't know because i've sort of tried to figure out like what my career trajectory is actually going to be and I've had this comment, like, I'm thinking, oh, should I go back to TAFE, which is sort of like community college, okay. um, and study f- film and TV and do that. And it's like, looking at some of the courses and what they do, it's like, I feel like I'm 80% of the way there, 70% of the way there mm-hmm. anyway. And not that it's like, oh, I'm better than everybody else because I've been making stuff. But I feel like making stuff, making YouTube videos, writing series, doing this podcast is maybe just as good mm-hmm. As going to like, I'm not going to go to a film school. I don't think that's for me. Um, I had a I had a, a great friend who was he's done a lot of videos with me in the past, and he went to university, um, and he was doing oh he decided he went safe and he did something in science or okay. teaching. And he's like this isn't really good. I don't like it. I'm not engaged. Decided to do film studies. Didn't like it. Wasn't engaged. It was very, very. It was very analytical of films. And, yeah, you know, like old films and um, Kino. Uh, Kino. It's Quinn, very, very who's different. In the chat. We were talking about that a mm. week or two ago about <laughs> about what uh, what film school is is like compared to <laughs> what's actually useful. You know, and there's a bit of a bit of a rift there. And he is a guy who uh, Kino is a guy. He's got a good YouTube channel um, that that has probably gotten a whole lot more out of watching the old films and talking about them and doing projects of his own than he did analyzing very strange things in, in the classroom. See, that's interesting. Uh, there's a, are you, have you heard of Colin and Samir at all? That's a very no. bit of a bit of a topic, but have you heard of them? So they're two YouTubers, filmmakers. Um, and a lot of their videos right now are talking about, um, sort of YouTube business. It was A lot of it was just creators in general, okay. but a lot of it's on YouTube business. They did a great video the other day. I think it was actually like a clip from their podcast and it was talking about Child Emilio's, um, her, she did a brand deal with Dunkin' Donuts and like what that means for influencer marketing and all that sort all of right. stuff. Um, they did a podcast the other day and it was about should you go to college? And obviously that's a 
subject that's been covered. Everybody, no, it's been but covered to death, sort of, but everybody sucks at it. They're so terrible. I, oh my God. Okay, what, in what way? Explain. How big I'm, is I'm, I'm, I'm the curious. memory card on, on whatever you're recording to right now? This is the classic, how much time you got, buddy? I'll go to Okay, well, look, I've got uh, enough monster to drink myself into the age of 39. <laughs> so let's do this. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let me look up this channel first. Colin and Samir, right? Yes. S-A-M-I-R. Oh, if yeah. If there's any other way to tell Samir, I'm not aware. Uh, let me find what I, what I want is bio about them. A little bit of bio. Are they big enough for Wikipedia? Nah. No, they're not. But they're big. They've worked, yeah. And they've worked with a lot of great brands. Well, look, uh, I'm trying to gauge... Let me pop up images on my very slow internet. So they look to me like they're about 28-ish, 30s. that seem fair? I believe Samir oh, yeah, just yeah. turned 31. I know these guys because I, I recognize that uh, uh, woodcut-style logo. Yeah, I don't know. I know who they are. You said he just turned about 30? I think it was, yeah, 30, 31, one of those. Right. Yeah. And I see this as college worth it. Econ major and film major. Uh, let me just look at the Twitter thread on this as we talk about it. Um, oh, it just took me to their page. It was only six days ago. Uh, so what perspective do they have on this? Seven, seven years the perspective of that they have what? is Summarize this for me. Well, I be- so if I believe, if I get it correctly, mm-hmm. Colin did e-commerce and he was happy that he didn't really use his degree. Like he's, okay. um, and Colin was sort of the same, like it, sorry, Samir was sort of the same. Like he just, he studied film and that, and that was his favorite classes at high school. So that's what he studied there. The big takeaway was, the big takeaway was basically that oh, they, they you don't, you don't really need to go to learn people. He, they feel that it going to college is more about the experience and that's what it is. Like, because one of the big discussion points was that, you know, you're just paying the same amount of money to go to Stanford, but all you're literally getting now is you're not getting the experience, you're not getting the resources. That's the other big thing. You're not getting the resources that these universities and colleges might have. All you have now is literally a Zoom call and the professor. Well, and that's it. That is what you are paying. That's, that's fair. If the question is, is it worth it? right now in 2020 to enroll, uh, to matriculate into a a degree program, that's a little bit of a different question than generally, is it worthwhile to go to college? These are two separate questions to me Um, because we're talking about two completely different experiences. Uh, If you are divorced from all those resources, then that's just a different situation. Yeah, if you're going to watch Zoom calls, uh, then it's... It's just a different um, comparison, really. But, you know, I was looking. What did they say about... Because uh, I'm seeing uh, Colin is, says econ major, Samir is a film major. I mean, were they addressing it all uh, whether when they went, which was some time ago, pre-corona, pre, uh, did they say then it, it wasn't worth it or, or what? No, they did. They said that the 
One thing they said was, I think it was Samir who said um, on his first day they had, I can't remember the day, what the, the day they call, they call it over there. It's like, but they, he met a bunch of people who are still his best friends to today. And it's more just life experiences like that. Colin brought up that um, in the beginning, it was him and four or five other people, one of them a woman, maybe two of them women, living in the same tiny, tiny, like little apartment, like, oh, I don't know what you want to call it, little house sort of thing. Um, sharing the one bathroom, and it was experiences like that. It was hardship. So you're telling from me that perspective that the well, value of college to them was sharing a bowl that you shit in with somebody else. Okay, if they, if, if you want that, that, then commit a crime and share a cell with somebody in prison. It's a lot cheaper. You can share a toilet there just fine. I think that I think there's um, there's a lot more to it. I think that sort of like I'm trying to remember every single detail they mem- they they sort of mentioned, but I think it's it was more it was that's that's the the basis of the episode the basis of that conversation was um, the experience the it, is the education really worth it um, as I said like you know th- this day and age coronavirus everyone's at home watching on Zoom probably not um, I also think it depends on the on the industry and that sort of thing I think one thing that they really did emphasize was you could not go to college. Um, it's like, for example, somebody who wants to become a filmmaker, a YouTuber, an online personality, whatever, you could not go to university, go to college and you could sort of just, um, have those experiences by joining different groups, different clubs, um, trying new things out, like going to do, um, stand up, writing films, meeting people online. And that sort of thing. That's what I did. I got into university. Mm-hmm. I got early entry to do media communications okay looked at my course and it said, oh, uh, there was like Aboriginal studies and stuff because it was a communications course. Right. So it was like tiny bits of media and the rest was just the general communi- things that all communications courses do. And I felt there was more value out of me just making things and networking. I think networking is very hard. Like, you know, over the years I've sure, um, become online friends with a lot of people and that sort of thing. Um, Young Croup is one of them. Yeah. Um, He's a great guy. Colio is Coolio, um, one of Crip's great friends. He's a he's a great guy. And there's, a, there's like a bunch of people like that who I've sort of... But then like, you know, you drop in and out. And it's like, I, 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 I honestly think that sometimes subconsciously I stop talking to people who I feel aren't... How do I word this in the right way? I stop talking to people who I feel aren't on the same wavelength as me. Okay. Does that yeah, make that, sense? Like fair. it's maybe they're people who just do YouTube as a whole, as a hobby. And it's like, this is something that I want to do. Sure. That's how, that's problems I've had with like people who I've made content with in person. Some of my friends, not everybody is, nobody's going to be a hundred percent like me. Nobody's going to be 110% like me, but it's like, you know, um, I, I, and that's just like, that's just what it is. And that's why I've just tried to develop friendships and network with people. Um, my parents have always said, like, you know, move away, move to one of the biggest cities and stuff like that. But then I'm thinking, what's the point of doing that if I'm not going to... Like, obviously, there's little clubs I could do. I could start doing, um, I don't know, start doing stand-up in the cities and just, like, talking with those people and that sort of thing or get into the industry somehow. It's harder with, like, it's harder here. It's not like, oh, let's go to LA and sort of... Um, like well, a, LA, a it's, it's, yeah, but it's people. massively saturated too. You know, that, that joke about, 
uh, you know, every waiter giving you their headshot. I mean, sure, yeah, there are a lot of opportunities, but at the same time, there are 17 trillion people uh, fighting each other for them. But but I, I, I want to back up on this. I have a question here. Um, I, right now, right now, I spend my time dealing with uh, math, mostly, a bit of science. Um, the the create unknown is uh, effectively a creative business analysis, right? Like we we do try to make it entertaining, but it's mostly about what's going to be useful for uh, for creatives and the people who like them to proceed with whatever whatever they're doing. Um, and the, the other parts of my professional life are business oriented too. What did I major in in college? I don't know. What is the major that prepared me for this? What is what? What is it? I don't know. What is, is it? I've I've no idea. Nothing. Does it? Did you? What did you study? I actually have no idea. Was it writing? You were just a writer for a long long time. I did write for a long time, but no, I didn't. I didn't study writing. Kino has it. Uh, kudos who, who guessed gender studies is wrong. Uh, Kino has, well, I would have guessed Kino has one of them. Um, I, uh, (laughs) double degree in gender studies and gender studies. Uh, no, Kino is wrong. Uh, no, I did, um, uh, degrees in history and political science. And that was the perfect preparation for Vsauce 2, the create unknown, the businesses that I've run and virtually everything else that I've done. And that's because the undergraduate degree is about three basic things. And nobody who, pay, who pays a lot of money and spends a lot of time uh, on college will admit that this is the way it is, but it's the way it is. You learn how to read, you learn how to write, and you learn how to think about things. That's it. Now, there are some exceptions to this. If you're in a nursing program, for example, that's a different uh, practical element. Like there are absolutely practical things that are in there. If you're in an engineering program, it's more the application of things like math than it is writing, but it's a different form of communication. So let's say generalize reading, writing, and thinking to um, absorbing information, using information, and then mashing it up one way or another. Now, when you get that done and you become very good at it, you can do absolutely anything. You can shift. So when people are talking about, you know, you, you hear somebody like uh, Colin and Samir, which, again, I haven't heard their podcast, so I'm, I'm, you know, guessing blindly here, but saying, no, go out and meet people, uh, share a toilet, um, get some filming experience, professional experience, do that. That's great. What if you decide to do something else? Where are you? What skills do you have that are truly properly transferable? You'll have some. You'll have some, but I can have virtually any job that I want right now. And the ones that I can't get right now, I have the skills to put myself in a position to get them in the near future. Okay. With that, I want to ask, okay, if let's say coronavirus is gone, what sort of, okay, even not, let's say, I'll say, okay, I'm going to say that it's if coronavirus is gone, because I feel like it makes the the question sort of easier. If you wanted to sort of go in and like, okay, I don't really know what sort of job I want to do. Yes. What should I study at college or university? I think it's more important uh, who you study with 
than what you study. There are, I don't want to open the can of worms of devaluing specific degree programs, but some of them probably aren't that useful. Uh, but when people say, what job are you going to get with that? I mean, that, that's, you know how many times I heard that when I said that I was going to study uh, for a history degree? Uh, what are you going to be, a social studies teacher? Well, no. Okay, then what? It, 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 they couldn't even process the idea that you could study a subject like history, uh, English, anything in the humanities, anything in the social sciences, you know, sociology, where are you going to be a social worker? They could not uh, develop any concept that those skills are excellent preparation for virtually anything. So in history, it's all the consumption of information, the communication of it, and thinking about what you know, what you don't know, how to find out what you don't know, um, how to challenge the things you know are wrong. Uh, it's all of that stuff. Well, that makes writing a 700-word article really easy. That makes scripting a Vsauce 2 video really easy, or at least easier than for the average person. Um, it makes coming up with a podcast topic and basic outline a whole lot easier because I've spent so much time uh, processing information. And some of it you do, uh, that it becomes, I'm trying to think how to put it, basically becomes an example of how not to do it. You know, I'm sure everybody's read a book where it was boring as hell, or there was some part to it they didn't like. Well, that's part of the process too. You know, you realize, well, that's not how you construct a narrative. You know, if you spend uh, uh, 50 pages on some famous person's elementary school career, that's not going to be compelling. Well, if you spend 30 minutes on the same level of stuff opening your podcast, that's too much. It's not going to be compelling. You know, it all kind of fits through because it's all communication. But you've got to put yourself in a position to do a lot of different things, to do whatever you want to do, because that's probably going to change. It's going to change even when you get into a field that you're pretty committed to. So I liked writing until I didn't. And then I realized that what I actually liked was editing. I liked editing other people's writing. I liked assigning writing. Um... I liked constructing patterns of articles with certain people, you know, so it's like, well, here's an issue that you're probably going to focus on for a few weeks. So let's, let's plan out how that's going to go. That was fascinating. Sitting down and pounding out paragraphs at a certain point, I didn't want to do that. I was completely prepared to do what was essentially uh, kind of a, a managerial role on that. I was ready for that. I was ready to go. Because I had the skills to do that. Um, you can get that elsewhere. A lot of people do it successfully. We know, especially in the YouTube world, there are so many successful people who uh, did not touch college and, and still have a wildly diverse skill set. John Swan is one of those people. He hasn't gone to university. He's, he's 11 years old. Of course he hasn't gone to university. Um, but yeah, he's, he's going to be a guest on my podcast yeah. actually tomorrow. He's coming on tomorrow. So is he really? Because yeah, um, he is. He's very. It was, and that was a. You know, he was. He was somebody I was aware of in the community, but it was somebody who I was sort of introduced through you as well. Yeah, yeah. He's he's great. He's, he's a, a perfect example of an autodidact 
who can truly succeed and branch out and prepare themselves for future roles. What percentage of people can do that? Uh, it's tiny. I don't know what the number is, but it's tiny. If being an autodidact worked as planned, every idiot who picked up a guitar would be able to play more than like two chords. And that's right. See, like I knew from the beginning, I never liked, I never liked school. Like during my last two years of school, it was, you know, um, it was really planning what ennui was going to be. Yep. A lot of, you know, and you know, all that sort of things changes, blah, blah, blah. And instead of going to university, I did a business course, that sort of stuff. Looking at the film and media course, one of the subjects was write scripts. And I'm like, I know how to write a script. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's hard to write a script. It's hard to tell a great story yeah. in your script, which I'm slowly getting. Like, I think the, the scripts that I wrote for the first season of um, Marty's Net Show, which was, for people who don't know, was my mockumentary series. That, I, that was the first ever video project that I ever really did. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of people think that's the best season because I spent so much time on it and all that sort of stuff. It's good, yeah. But regardless, I think it's um, just putting in the time. And for the year before that, I was watch I watched every single episode of I sat in my little beanbag outside of this room that I'm in right now and watched every single season of South Park that I downloaded illegally and just studied <laughs> each episode and figured out how to tell a good story in sort of the I don't know okay well, cuz a lot of a lot of South Park is very much um sort of it's commentary on the world and that sort of thing. And like, there's a lot of cultural references and that sort of thing. And that's what I sort of gravitated towards too. And you can see that ref that's reflected in a lot of my work. Um, and that's the thing. I think it's just like putting in the time as well. I don't think that, I don't think anybody can do it. I think some people need to go to university to find themselves. I think some people need to go to university to figure out what they want to do. Um, one thing that was mentioned on Joe Rogan's podcast with Joe DeSena was specifically it's like there's many many people who are like oh, i don't know exactly what i want to do and they'll do nothing they'll just like oh i don't know if i want to you know make movies or be an actor or be a writer or like it's in in terms of the like this example the entertainment space yeah. i don't know if i want to produce or write or direct or make music or be an actor or do theater blah 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 so they do nothing mm -hmm. right they just like watch shit and absorb shit and it's like, you know, that's good and all, but it's like, you're not, you're not doing anything. You're not practicing anything. One thing that I've, Jackson Hewins, who was just, he's a, um, he's a small time filmmaker, interned at Adult Swim at one point. Okay. And it was the one thing he did for the longest time on his Instagram was every day he would tell us that, you know, he spent, he wrote a page worth of a script. Sometimes it's an original an idea that he's carrying on with. Sometimes it's an original idea. Um, but it was just practicing this, the craft of um, writing movies. And that's what sort of, you know, he's only, he's a young man. He's only 18, 19. I think he's, I think he's only 18. Um, but it was, it was just putting in the work day by day, creating a routine. And that's something that I've struggled with. And I think it's, and not just, I think I've, I do very, very much think it's the balance of sort of like for me specifically, um, making sure I record enough podcasts to get content out, um, make sure I'm, I'm writing enough and developing enough in the background. So when I can choose, I have the time to, especially as a manager at McDonald's now, all my shifts are all over the place. My weekends aren't always free. I've sort of got to, I've got to, when I have the time is when I've got to film. Um, 
and all that. And then balancing like eating well sure. and exercising, which I'm still trying to get into um, properly because I know that sort of thing is going to get, is going to get more out of me as well. All that sort of thing, yeah. all that mumbo jumbo. It's valid. Um, yeah. No, it's real know, though. Getting your life. To, but it is valid. Very, very much so. Yeah. I, I um, like, I like my, I'm oh, weirdly into micro efficiency. I guess that's what I'd call it. I, I don't think it has a name. Uh, Trev is Trev in? No, he's, he's not in right now. Um, I was talking to Trev the other day about this. He's a, a staple of the create unknown community. Um, there's a reason why I drink water out of 32-ounce bottles, okay? Uh, I have two of them. So a 30, uh, these are old Gatorade bottles. I drink the Gatorade, I use the bottle like for like two weeks, and then I get two new ones. So I usually have six of these a day. So that's a gallon and a half of water. Um, that's three refills, all right? So... When capacity on a bottle increases beyond about 32 ounces, it always goes up. The bottle always gets taller. It never gets wider, or you'd have this like short squat weird bucket that you slurp out of, right? So a 20-ounce bottle is kind of thin, and I'd have to refill it all the time. 64-ounce, it's going to be tall. It's going to be unwieldy. Uh, we're talking 4 pounds, 2 kilograms. Like, you don't want to haul that up. Uh, so 32 means it's not going to tip on my desk. It's not tall enough for me to knock it over. There's a very practical reason there. I never have to clean up spills. Anything bigger is a little bit more top heavy and it's going to spill. But with the 32, that's big enough for me to put it in my kitchen sink, turn the tap on, go take a piss and come back. And it's not quite full yet. If I had a smaller bottle, a 20 ounce, I can't do that. I have to sit there and wait. Now, what is that? 30 seconds? 60 seconds? What's uh, cleaning up a spill here and there? Well, that's going to be like 10, 15 minutes, not including whatever I've destroyed just, on my it's desk. It's just optimizing your life. But let's say that's it's five just, it's minutes a day. It's optimization of your time. It is. And if that, if it, just doing those two rounds of refills uh, saves me five minutes a day, how many hours is that a year? That's three, what is it? Three hours roughly? A month, 36 hours, that's an entire work week over the course of a year because of the way that I've decided to drink out of water bottles. That's huge. It seems and I can dumb. find it, it seems, seems dumb. It completely dumb. It seems dumb. It seems insane, not worth bothering with. However, when you do 10 or 20 of these things, uh, all of a sudden you've got twice as much time cumulatively as anybody else. But it's the little things, isn't it? Like, for example, one, I'll give a production example. I had, and I sort of consulted with like my dad just for his opinion and maybe one or two friends, but I got a $7,000 loan out okay. to buy this new camera, buy some things from my office, blah, 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 just to make the, the process of making content easier. Yep. Specifically, my cam link, which plugs my 4K, Sony, A6, whatever the fuck it is, into my computer. I can stream straight through OBS. Looks beautiful. Looks nice. New mic. All that sort of stuff. So all I have to do is press record. I've got my Adobe Audition backing it up. And then I can... All I have to do is go into OBS um, and then just drag it into Premiere and it's ready to edit the episode. Yeah. Okay. Before that... I had a Canon, whatever the hell it was, um, 
had to put it on the card. Also, I had a 30-minute, um, it was a 30-minute limit on that Canon camera as well. So I could only record for 30 minutes. If I wanted to record a longer, I had to get up and like press it back, blah, blah, blah. Um, I had to put it on the card. I had to make sure I had a big enough um, memory card. I had to plug it on my computer, which took ages and ages to get onto my computer. Like, you know, 10, 15 minutes, which is like, I can do stuff in between, blah, blah, blah. But I like doing, editing the, the podcast first and the audio first before I do anything. It makes the, um, it streamlines so much stuff. And I think yeah. people think that is dumb. I think people think it's not. I don't think it's no. Dumb. It, I efficiency think is amazing. Not, no. Efficiency is amazing. Uh, and talking about time like this reminds me of people choosing sides in that college debate. Whether you know you should go out and do all sorts of stuff and figure it out that way versus uh, if you should put time into a more formal structured study. Let's be honest about the number of hours in the week. Virtually everyone is perfectly capable of doing both of these things. You've got 168 hours in the week. 24 times 7 is 168. Yeah. Uh, let's say you spend, well, class is like 15 hours. But let's say you do it properly and put another 25 into all the projects and homework and all that stuff, which I know, I knew very few people who, who did that. But let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say it adds up to 40. Uh, let's say you sleep 10 hours a night. So that's another 70. So you're at 110. That leaves 58 hours. If you can't find real things to do with your life, if you can't do all the social stuff, if you can't go and work, uh, and get the practical experience that, that is so valuable with the other 58 remaining hours a week, that is on you. That is completely your fault. There is no reason why you can't hit the formal study part, provided you have the means to do it and all that works out. Um, but if you can do it, there's no reason you cannot hit that part and then do all of this other stuff too. It's like when they ask kids who are, you know, at, at the end of high school or in college, like, what are you going to do when, well, when it's younger kids, what are you going to do when you grow up? Or what are you going to do when you go into the real world? What the hell have you been doing this whole time? Why aren't you in it? It's a completely valid question. If you haven't jumped headfirst into all of this stuff to complement school, you are blowing it. You're absolutely blowing it. So I look at two things on this. The really big stuff, like what do you do with 58 hours a week, and then focus on the really tiny stuff, like what water bottle am I going to drink out so that I get more time over the course of a year. Uh, this is all completely valid. Uh, but... When I think about just everybody's comments on how to use your time, how to get, how to advance your career, uh, how to achieve your goals, just all of this stuff, they, they, they never really consider actual reality and how they're choosing to play it. It bothers the hell out of me. Yeah. It really is nuts that they don't just sort out, yes, I have tremendous opportunity in terms of time. Am I using that very poorly? Time is, time is the currency. No. Time is the currency. That's the thing, though. It is. And when we talk about something like film school, you know, I think of, uh, uh, you know, how do you become a movie critic? Well, I think back to Siskel and Ebert in the 80s. You know, they were the gold standard at that time of popular film criticism. Gene Siskel and, and Roger Ebert. Um, they didn't get to be 
high-end film critics by studying film criticism. They got there because they watched a lot of films, they talked to people about films, they lived and breathed it, uh, they eventually were able to compare a million different films and have perspective on it. Why can't you, why can't you study films? Yeah. No, and, that, and that's right. I just wanted to ask, does anybody in the chat know? Red Letter Media, some of my, you know, some of the funniest content creators um, on the internet. Yeah, a absolutely. lot of people like Did it. they go to film school? Did they study film at, um, at college? I'm not actually aware because I think that they do, um, they, just, they, they, they did make shitty films. Very, that is very true. But um, I think they did actually do um, some sort of film study at university um, or college, if that's what, which, whichever they went to. Um, but yeah, that's just, it's a, it's a interesting topic, isn't it? Like you don't have mm. to, it's like, you don't have to know, um, be a film critic to know a movie's bad. I don't also right. don't think you have to be a film critic to criticize films. I think that is just the professional. It is the, it, that's the career. That's the job title. But right. you know, you don't have to be a film critic. You don't have to be a film critic to criticize film. Definitely not. I don't think, um, before we do sum up, I did want, I did have a few little things that I want to talk about. One thing was sort of, you know, you, you do have all this time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one thing I sort of discussed with a few people at work, like some other, um, some other managers and that is sort of the concept of that. I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to be a manager of Macca's. Like that's not my goal in life. Okay. My goal is to run my own business and make creative things, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> right. So I'm not going to put 100% into running a shift or being a manager or all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm going to do it competently, 100%. Like, if you're not going to do it, don't do a job if you're not going to do it right. But I'm not going to put 100% into running around, getting everything out on time, in the drive-thru and blah, blah, blah. Like, And even for me specifically, I'm very much of a um, customer service sort of person, talking to people, dealing yeah. with people. Um, what would you give up by but I'm only going to put if you did pursue it at a hundred percent, what would you be giving up? What is the opportunity cost of that? A lot. I think yeah, it's, I it think, though? I think, I don't know. Um, is it as it, like, so if I gave, if I put a hundred percent, yeah, it's mental energy. It's, um, I think I'd be very, very, very depressed if I put a hundred percent into that and then did not have the energy, the output or the the physical, um, like just the, the, the time to, like if I was putting in a hundred percent, I wouldn't have time to do the things that I want to do to further my career. I took a week off this week off work because I was mentally like, if I spend another hour in this place and it's not even hard for me personally to, you know, work with people and deal with people, but like it wasn't contributing to my dreams mm -hmm. and I'm only a 24 year old man. I don't want to give up my dreams. I think it's like, oh, people, people sort of, Oh, you're going out to make YouTube videos, are you? Oh, you're recording that podcast, are you? People, people from my town, like some of them get it, but some of them are like, oh, he's just doing those little videos, yeah. um, wearing that Satanist shirt or putting on that <laughs> silly little voice or whatever the fuck you want to call it. But it's fucking comedy, you piece of shit. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to achieve, I'm trying to achieve my dreams, and it's not. Like, you know, if you want to go, what's the difference between me doing that and then you going to study to do childcare? Because that's all that anybody... In my town, it's either you work a shitty job in one of the places down the street, you work in the mines nearby, or you do childcare. And that seems like that's all that people do around here. Okay. And it's... Or a, or a hairdresser. That's the other one. And I'm not going to be a hairdresser. 
I'm not going to work in childcare. Um, well, then again, I'm not going to do any of these things. I want to run my own business. I don't think people, um, people don't understand that. I think, I don't know if it's just, a, I think it's a small town mentality um, as well. I think I come from a town where it's like, a lot of the, the successful people in my town have left and went to university straight away. I also know that a lot of people in my year who did go to university dropped out in the first year and they're just living in the city now. Um, yeah. That's the thing. I think it's, I don't know, people, I don't even know where I'm going with this right now. I've just, now I'm just, I feel really sad because it's like, the joke with my friends is, oh, you're 24 and working at Macca's. And that's the joke. That's the funny joke. But it's sort of hit me really recently. Like, fuck, what have I done to achieve my dreams? What have I done to further the thing that I want to do that I'm really, really passionate about? You know, I can, I can, um, you know, tweet creators on Twitter and like, follow people and make videos and all that sort of stuff. But sometimes I feel like I'm not putting the extra effort in to get to where I want to be. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I put my, I'm carrying too many buckets. I'm, what do you, what, what are they called? Spinning too many plates. Yes. Yeah. Um, sort of thing. Juggling too many chainsaws. And that, and that sort of thing. And that's right. Juggling too many <laughs> chainsaws. One thing that I did really realize recently was I don't, and it was a hard pill to swallow. I don't think I'm a good filmmaker. I think I'm just funny and I like um, being a comedian, writing comedy things. And then there's just the mediums that that's the medium I use film, um, you know, films, web series, podcasting. And it's just me being funny and developing comedy around those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Cause I've always wanted to be a filmmaker. I always wanted to be like, you know, um, not just make funny movies. Like it was a horror movie I was, I was working on. Yeah. And I filmed half of it and I'm like, this is like, it's good, but I'm not, I wasn't passionate okay. about it. And, you know, ennui is my thing. I can do what I want. If I'm not passionate about it, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's worth, is it worth making? Is it worth well, putting the time into what makes that you, sort of thing? What makes you passionate about, about this? It, it, actually, let me preface this. And, I, I've always had a hard time explaining this because it sounds like um, I, I'm trying to be contrarian about this kind of thing. I'm really, truly not. Um, but I don't have a lot of passion with anything. Uh, I don't have any hopes and dreams or goals, and I never have. It just doesn't register for me. It, sort of in the same way, like somebody on the autism spectrum might be numb to social cues I'm numb to hope. It is not part of at all part of uh, my my biological makeup. I don't think in those terms. However, I think a lot in <laughs> sorry, Tom really liked that. I am numb to hope line. <laughs> um, it's a good line, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it I, I am really obsessed with meaning though. And I've talked to several of the people uh, who are in, yeah, in the live chat right now and on this server about uh, instead of being like passionate and getting a thrill out of something and, and wanting this thing, instead it's really about finding something that, that has meaning and matters to you. And that can come in a lot of ways. All right. So, for example, with Vsauce 2 stuff, the thing that means the most to me by far is the minutes that humanity is spending each day watching that content. 
and I can look at it. I can go into the studio and see, uh, I, I don't know, uh, let's say today it's like 2 million minutes. That is tremendous meaning. If you think one day uh, this thing that we put together and that, that I had a small role in, humanity has spent four collective years consuming this today. That meaning is all that I need. That's amazing. I want to do as much of that as possible. I want it to be 7 million minutes. I want humanity to enjoy it tremendously and get value out of it in every possible way. That's it. Do I have a dream to hit 10 million minutes? Uh, No, it's not like that. It's looking at it and thinking, this matters and this is really useful. I feel amazing about it. There's a reason why... um, you know, I'm 38 and have not had some of the burnout concerns that a lot of people in the industry have had. It doesn't affect me in that way. I'm not saying that I'm superhuman with it. It's not that. It's that I'm looking at everything from a completely different perspective than most of those people are. They're stressed about uh, money and numbers and sponsorships, and it's right to be stressed about all those things. They do matter. It's not like they're inventing something. However, um, you know, I, I think of a guy like Tyler Oakley, who was on top of the YouTube world however many years ago. He's got like 14 million subs or some insane number. He's um, as irrelevant as ever now. Yeah, well, you go to his, his uh, YouTube page now, and his videos get like 20,000 views. Um, that's a very different position than, than he was in some time ago. At the same time, 20,000 people are looking at what he's doing. He's got a 10 minute video and they're watching most of it. They're spending months and months and months, uh, enjoying his content, thinking about his content, depending on what the video is. How can you not be really thrilled with that? If you, if you aren't happy about that, and you don't find complete comfort in knowing that you're making something with that much reach and that much spread and that much impact on people, then you're really thinking about it wrong. So that's like where I'm going with this is that all of the stuff is about finding a sort of meaning uh, and, and really distilling down all of that effort, all of the progress even some of those weird little, you know, goals that, that you have to set along the way. Um, I'm not saying goal setting is worthless. It's not really something I do in that, that way, but I get why people do it. And it is important to have benchmarks along the way, but it's really all about getting that sense of meaning for whatever job you're doing. It can be making YouTube videos. It can be, uh, it can be at McDonald's. It makes no difference. Think how many people you make happy in a day through your management at McDonald's. It's a oh, lot. lot. It's a lot. Because I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm a good people person. I might not be able to get, yeah. you know, I might be not able to hit the results that, you know, hit the goals that some other managers can. But I think I make all my crew happy. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that people, sure. I think I... And I've, I said this in, a, in front of a lot of managers one time. I said, I think I command respect. One of them laughed. They don't respect him. People don't, <laughs> like, don't come up. People don't come onto a shift and go, 
oh, um, big boys managing the shift. Oh, fuck that. Like, I'm going to have a shit time. <laughs> but they see me and they're like, we're going to have a really good time, but we're going to, you know, we're going to achieve results at the same time. They might not be 100%, but we'll be in the green. We'll be, we'll achieve, we'll achieve something. Like, you know, we'll, sure. you know, and you're always striving for more and all that sort of thing. And how big is that um, staff? When you're, I, when you're managing a shift, how many people are in that shift? Standard day shift yeah. when it's like not like busy, but not busy. I would say there's three out the back and then four out the front, someone in the cafe. So there's, you know, around so eight. Um, eight, yeah, eight, nine people, depending on the day. So you are essentially providing the conditions for eight or nine people to successfully navigate that day and then do whatever it is they want to do with the money they made there. That's a, that's a tremendous achievement. And if that, if that isn't something that absolutely fills you with meaning, then how many does it need to be? If eight or nine isn't enough, at what point does it kick in that it's good enough? 50? 100? Like, where's the line? There is no line. If you can't look at that and say, and that, yeah. wow, eight or nine people's lives. And that's we're not even talking about the customers who, uh, who get value out of what all of these people do. Just the staff. You're doing something remarkable with eight or nine people that improves their life. How how can how can you and not, not be in, happy yeah. about that? And that's right. And that's not even including the customers. You know, like we have the it's the Macca's way. Like you know, smile, greet, um, have a conversation, ask how their day was, all that shit. That shit just that just comes to me. I can just have a conversation with some random bloke who's having his coffee. We have our regulars come in, and you know, we have our little conversations. It's like that might make their day. There's a lot yes. of, you know, older people, a lot of pensioners who come in and it's like, maybe coming in and seeing me at work is the one thing that just, you know, makes their life worth living. Absolutely. Um, which is, which is crazy to think. Like, I think in the grand scheme of things with Ennui, with this business, all that sort of thing, I think from the beginning, like, obviously I want to make content, movies, podcasts, films, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the one thing I thought all the way from the beginning was being able to hire my friends and hire people that I enjoy um, talking to and making things with and helping them achieve their dreams as well. And it's you like, and Benji that's not just me that. patting on the back. Was it, was that Benji that you talked about with uh, it, yeah, it was. the staff? Yeah. See, look, uh, I, I legitimately listened to the NUETV. Um, oh, fuck's sake. Seriously, <laughs> please. One other thing. But that yeah, I that was a really good was, discussion though um, with you guys. Like that, that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, sorry to, to, uh, pull that out. Uh, but no, that was That's a right. really important thing that you guys were saying, yeah, we want this blend of doing something good for the people who are important to us, but we also need it to be efficient. You know, we've got to get these things done. It's not just purely hanging around. We do have to have an end result. Uh, that push and pull, that was a really good discussion. I like that one a lot. I appreciate that. Cause he's, he's, we are very much me and Benji. Me, um, we are very much on the same wavelength, but we also challenge each other. He's not, he's not a yes man at all. Right. Um, sometimes he's the most negative person to be around in terms of he never praises anything that I do. And he does, he does praise some things like here and there, but he's, He's always pushing me to be better and to say like, you know, one thing he said the other day was when we were sort of discussing some new projects was sometimes that you think you're funny and you don't let anybody else tell you that you're not. 
<laughs> which is like it sounds really dumb, but it like I, it makes sense. Sometimes it's like I have this. Um, I'm wearing rose-colored glasses for my my on myself, looking at myself, looking at my own fun little jokes. But I I don't know. I think it's just I've been trying to find the balance of of what I find funny and what other people find funny. Um, I don't know. Is personal humor a thing? I'm I'm not really sure. Like, does, it is, and it's not just humor. I think if if I, if it makes it's no, it's not, is it? No, it's a lot of things. And uh, I've talked, I think, on the podcast a long time ago uh, about. I mean, look, half of half of Kevin's job is telling me that something that I want to do sucks. Like that's that's half of of Vsauce Two is him taking shits on my contributions and thank God for it. It's extremely important. I need that very badly. And a specific example of this was a video that we did on the Zorba computer. I think it's called the legend of Zorba. Uh, it's about two years ago and it's an old CPM based machine. We're talking really like uh, CPM, the, the operating system was around in like 82, 83, 84, and it was very quickly replaced by DOS. Um, anyway, this machine, uh, some of the software on it was by a company called Infocom. They made Zork and some other games. Infocom's story is absolutely fascinating. It's incredible. A couple MIT kids uh, started saying they, they wanted to have a software company or a computer company of some kind. They started by coming up with a name before they even had any idea what the company would do. They, they wanted a cool name that sounded credible. Infocom sounded like a serious enterprise. Um, they built that up to a really, really amazing degree. And it, for a lot of different reasons, it crashed quite quickly. <laughs> like they were um, kind of, they kind of had like their personal ATMs running with games for a little while. It just was that successful. Everything they did was profitable. Well, anyway, I, I write part of this out it's like five, 600 words, and I love it. It's so fascinating to me, the story about Zork and Infocom. And as we go through, you know, I, I draft some stuff, and we sit down and go over it. And Kevin's like, man, this, this whole section has to go. This sucks. Like, this is just boring. <laughs> and it was the most interesting thing in the video to me. I was so excited to, as I was working on that, I'm thinking like, Oh my God, I can't believe that I have to distill this to 500 words. I could make 5,000 on this topic. And then it comes through and he just obliterated it. And he was completely right to do that. It was the right call. It was super interesting to me and like seven other people in the world. It was not going to be interesting, number one, to the Vsauce 2 audience, and number two, within the the overall narrative of this video on the Zorba. And if it was just me on a channel and I'm making that video, I totally do 10 minutes on Infocom. And my channel sucks. My video blows. <laughs> I make one of the worst videos of all time on YouTube. But I had somebody there to tell me this, this isn't going to work. This isn't a fit. And it's the same with with somebody telling you, yeah, you think this is funny, and I'm sure it is to you, and I'm sure some other people exist in the world who find this funny too, but it's it's going to be a no. you got to have those people with everything. Oh, God. You need somebody 
to tell you that your tweets are stupid. By the way, a lot of a lot of YouTubers do this. You know, I'm in group chats. Um, I'm in one with with many kudos actually, uh, where we see people do this frequently. Somebody will say, "Hey, is this tweet as funny as I think it is?" before they send it, and a lot of times the answer is no. That just doesn't work as a tweet the way you think it's going to. And so they don't send it. That is really important to get that feedback. That's very interesting. See, I have a, I have a Snapchat group chat with a lot of my close, close friends who I know will not bullshit me. And I know if it's a funny joke, if they save it in chat. Okay. And I always found that very, like that that makes, that makes me feel good. If I send a good joke, it is a very good system. And I also think that it's, one thing that, going back to something that feels like we talked about it fucking an hour ago, the masterclass with Steve Martin, sometimes there's little, little jokes, and it might be like like a little laugh, like a little, um, like you, you put it out as a tweet, and it's like, you see it on your timeline and go, oh, that's pretty funny, and you keep going. But it might work really good as a stand-up bit, yep. or it might not, and it actually might work better as this little bit of dialogue in a film, or a movie, or a TV show, or something, and... You know, one he he. There was an example where it was like he said that there was a line that he had, and it he used to be an old old stand up bit that he had, and he sort of wasn't as funny. Didn't like it, it wasn't as funny to his audience, and he included in an in a line in one of the movies that he sort of I think it was an improv line at the time. I think it was like okay. he just ad libbed it, um, and he had many people come up to him and say like it was a really good movie, and that specific line was just hilarious to me. And it's interesting how jokes don't work and like little things like that, you know, it, they work in different contexts. I don't know. I've, 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 I find that con- that concept very, very, very interesting. Same with, it doesn't have to be comedy either. Just like little facts, little, yeah. little anything. It's interesting how it, it depends on the format, the platform, um, you know, it might work better as a TikTok than it does yes. a tweet. It might work better as a full YouTube video than it does a TikTok. Absolutely. It might be the other way around. It's it, like, I th- it usually is the other way around. Like, it's like, this shouldn't be a full five minute sketch. It should be a quick 10 minute TikTok. Before, ten, 10 second TikTok. Yeah. And before you, you go into the wrap up on this, uh, I want to say that this is the exact point back on that debate of whether do you, or whether you go to school or not, because what you're really getting is or what everybody needs is a system to bounce things off other people, have other people evaluate those to make you better. You can do that in some ways in a traditional classroom. You can do it uh, out working on projects. You can do it to some degree if you're on your own, like a lot of YouTubers are. If you have a circle of people like, like that, that group chat that I mentioned, like those people are constantly using each other to have Uh, to bounce the ideas off from and ask advice for. And that's all done to improve what they're doing, right? Um, That's that's really the game. That's the game with all things, is do you have a network that can evaluate you in a healthy way that encourages your development, whether it's long-term or whether it's something as simple and short as your next tweet? Can you replicate that? Some people can do it on their own. John Swan, again, perfect example of this. He built that network himself. Some people are capable of that. Could I have built uh, my academic network? Absolutely not. Not with where I lived, not with who I knew. Uh, at the time, too, 
online resources were not what they are now. It was not possible. Um, so I benefited tremendously from that traditional route. Can you do a hybrid of all of these things? Absolutely. You can totally do it. Oh, sure. But as long as that, as long as that, that goal is kind of a feedback network for the purpose of your own development, then you're absolutely going to get somewhere. Ennui Talk is hosted by Matthew Winner, produced by Ennui. You can listen to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or watch it in its entirety at youtube.com slash TV one You can show your support by becoming an Ennui Plus member, where you get exclusive series and podcasts, early access, and member-only perks. Join us at ennui.tv forward slash plus. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.